0: Today on Cash Chicago, happy birthday, Chicago, 185 years old, and somehow you're both old and young. Uh, you're looking good, but hey, I'm going to keep challenging you to grow, to mature, and to do better for all of the people across the city. In the meantime, in between time, we look back on a busy week with some friends at the show. WBEZ City Hall reporter Mariah Woolfle, and from Axios, Chicago, Justin Kaufman. It's Friday, March 4th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Today on CityCast Chicago, I hope y'all were able to get outside, if even for a moment, to take in those brief 50-degree minutes. Uh, uh, Doesn't 50 in March feel like hella better than 50 in October? Absolutely. like i saw somebody say shorts weather on twitter i was like oh oh man y'all tweaking but okay yeah did either of y'all get out for a second uh to enjoy some of that some of that 50 degrees while it was there
1: i was out for literally like three minutes and i was <laughs> pissed <laughs> i was i couldn't even enjoy it for the three minutes because i knew i was gonna have to go back inside three minutes later so i was just like man this this freaking sucks. <laughs> it's so beautiful out here, and that, and I have to go to the federal courthouse right now. It's just terrible. But no, it was, it was, it's beautiful to even just look out your window and like know what's happening out there. So mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, yeah. man. I, I, the Chicago in me always gets worried when it's warmer <laughs> than it should be. You know, when you get to like fifties in March or fifties, uh, you know, in any of the winter months. You're like, where's the tornado? Or what, what, what's next? What's coming next? So, where's like, second, I,
0: yeah. third winter?
2: <laughs> exactly. Something's coming tomorrow. That's always when I think when it's uh, abnormally nice out.
1: That's just like a Chicago mentality. Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? I don't accept this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. I
0: constantly, even when there's a pinch of good news, I'm like, nah, something's going to happen. Something's going mm-hmm. to happen. And this week is a great example of that. Like, every single day, it felt like, Oh, man, it's 50 outside. Something to happen though. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like every day, uh, Chicago delivered. Um, Mariah, let's start with you. What was the story that really got your attention this week?
1: Well, you know, I probably had some different stories in mind before today, before the, that massive, you know, Tribune-Lightfoot story came out that we could talk uh-huh. about. But obviously, the elephant is the roo- in the room is, you know, the indictment of, of former Illinois House speaker Michael Madigan. I covered that a little bit yesterday. Obviously, there are reporters in the city who have been covering it for decades waiting for this to happen or, you know, anticipating these charges coming down. Um, But that's that's the, what else, you know, it's like, what else is there to talk about?
0: I love it, just even in your setup, like there have been people who have covered this for years and years and years. And we got one of those people right here on the call with us. I mean, Absolutely. he did a multi-part series looking into the, the, the Michael Madigan enterprise. I had him on the show um, a few months ago to talk about uh, the ongoing saga. And yesterday that shoe did drop. Uh, mm-hmm. When Michael Madigan was indicted on 22 counts, uh, Kaufman, catch me up. How did we get here, right. and, and what's going down?
2: What a what an amazing story. First off, there's so many reporters who have who've covered him for decades because he's been in office for decades, five of them. Mm-hmm. He was an, he was a he started <laughs> in I believe it was 1971 was his first year as a state rep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually think about this. He was a delegate at the Illinois Constitutional Convention when they created the constitution. He was in the room. It gives you an That's idea insane. of the power of this guy who became Speaker of the House. Now, he is a, he is, I mean, it, you want to say this is all about Mike Madigan. This, this federal indictment is all about the Chicago machine and the Chicago way. Yeah. This is essentially the, the age all old political question is whether or not the idea of patronage and, 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 and how you do politics in Chicago is a criminal enterprise or if it's just good politics. And that's what's at the core of this. I mean, they're really going after Mike Madigan as a guy who promised jobs for political favors. And in this case, they also point to the fact that there's some monetary favors in there as well. They, they are pointing John Lausch, the U.S. Attorney, is saying, listen, this guy, Used his public office and his public influence for personal gain.
0: They're looking to get back what, $2.8 million? I I mean,
2: they're going to have a, this is going to be such an interesting case. I, I, you know, I hate the way that the justice system works and how long it takes. I mean, look at the case of Alderman Ed Burke. He got indicted, didn't he get indicted during the 2019 mayoral campaign? And so, if mm-hmm. you look at that, you're like, "Jesus, it's been <laughs> we're in twenty twenty two now like the oh, idea yeah.
1: hundreds, hundreds of pages of pretrial motions later I mean that's going to be the same got, thing like, here with Mike manigan, no doubt yeah. uh, but
2: it I mean this is this is I mean, this is a central core story to Chicago and its politics. I mean, for for many years, the right has vilified Mike Madigan as this corrupt leader of the Democratic Party. The Democrats have kind of held their nose about it. But at the same time, I think that they've done a uh, they've been very happy with the results that they've seen, seeing that this state is blue. All offices down the line are pretty much blue. And you can directly attribute that to Mike Madigan. This is going to be a fantastic uh, case study in Chicago politics moving forward.
0: Yeah. To that point, Mariah, we this is like we said, the Chicago way. Do you imagine that so many other people are probably, you know, allegedly on the hook for very similar uh, like crimes?
1: Well, I mean, up until I mean, we we have three sitting aldermen right now Mm -hmm. who are, you know, in in Thompson just was
0: found guilty.
1: Correct. And so we have, uh, you know, as Justin pointed out, Alderman Ed Burke. And I went to Ed Burke's hearing, uh, what was it, two or three weeks ago? And that was also, you know, at the crux of the argument between prosecutors and defense attorneys is what constitutes a bribe, what constitutes quid pro quo in Chicago, where are you hiring your friends because those are the people, you know, and that's how, you know, As as Madigan put it in his statement yesterday, that's just a very basic constituent service is job recommendations or and how do you prove that in in a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt? And so it's so interesting to see it play out in this legalese like this, this, you know, unspoken Chicago way that we all kind of know about to see it laid out in court documents and to see attorneys try to prove um, whether that's the Chicago way. But yeah, I don't I mean. I, You know, we'll see what happens down the line. I don't think that I think that John Lausch put U.S. Attorney John Lausch put it pretty frankly yesterday where he was like, this is a this is a persistent problem. Um, And, you know, if you look at how long. Madigan's so-called criminal enterprise took place. It only it went it went up. There are allegations that go up until 2019. This illegal activity. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking like he's getting he's getting indicted for things he did a decade ago. Like, like back, this back was, in a day. No, no this these was are three recent years things. ago. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I think there's a lot of people who would say this stuff is is still going on. And despite you know Burke and now Madigan, two of the you know most notorious. You know, notorious, if you want to use that word, Uh, well-known influential politicians in Chicago, in federal court, even with them, like, are people learning their lesson? I don't know. We're going to see in a decade to come.
0: And these are dudes who, who, you know, kind of threw their weight around. In, in in more than than one way, um, you know, just the last time we talked, you, you mentioned the Crows have been circling for a while. Twelve was on this case, have been building this wiretaps. They have flipped mm-hmm. people, you know, got people inside of the organization to start talking. Why now? Yeah. Do you feel like the case is they feel like we got the best case we're going to get let's take the shot at the king yeah well i we thought friend, the,
2: the mayor's statement yesterday her statement her answer to a question at a press conference uh was very telling where she's like you know you you better have a good case essentially what she said uh which is inter- much different than the other politicians like corruption is bad we can't have corruption uh, she was much more prosecutorial if you will yeah, you know yeah. her old job saying you better have a good taste take your shot uh if you don't have it essentially dot 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 you ask why now David Kidwell, who's covered Mike Madigan, was in the podcast. He said something to me in the podcast that stuck with me. There's two ways that the feds get a corrupt politician. One is wearing a wire, getting somebody. In this case, Danny Solis, the, the old uh, Chicago alderman, was wearing a wire on both Ed Burke and uh, Mike Madigan. He got Ed Burke to talk. He didn't really get Mike Madigan to talk. The, if you look at the indictment, it's sort of like head nods and, and affirmations, but it's not mm-hmm. as uh, cut and dry that, that Madigan was like, yes, we're doing this. Uh, secondly, the other way is that you get people close to him to turn. And you saw in the last year, uh, his chief of staff, Tim Mapes, was um, uh, indicted on perjury. So they essentially asked him questions in two different ways, and he answered them two different ways. And they, they got him a perjury and said, you're going to jail unless... Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Uh, Same with uh, all the other, the comment executives who deferred their prosecution, hoping that they could not get a guilty plea if they worked with the feds. So there's a lot of different characters, cast of characters here that could be giving more information to the feds uh, on Mike
0: Madigan because of the squeeze that they've been put under. Man, Every time I just hear the word wiretap, I just like think of movies when somebody is just like. Man, take your shirt and they just like rip the shirt open and it's just <laughs> yeah. like this huge piece of scotch yep. tape on this old old microphone just running down uh some mugs' uh, chest. Like every time I think about it, but like people really getting like like <laughs> straight caught up with the wiretaps. This, this is not film, this is not movie, this is inspired by real life. Uh yeah, we're gonna be we we're gonna be following this. There, as you reported, there is no, you know, he hasn't been arrested. There is no arraignment Day set. Uh and, and so now, you know, the justice system <laughs> Will will play out. Uh, But but you did say something earlier in reference the mayor's comments and and sort of her prosecutorial uh, stance in the situation. And and that's very ironic because, uh, Mariah, you alluded to a story that came out uh, about the mayor and her relationship with other uh, attorneys, uh, how she speaks with people. And it's been a question um, that a lot of people have asked And, and sometimes unfairly. Um, And and sometimes justify about the mayor, how she speaks with people, how she uh, talks with people. There was a story earlier this week um, about Alderperson Garza coming out and saying uh, she's unlikely to support the mayor in her next campaign because she she says something to the effect she's never seen somebody like piss off pretty much everybody (laughs) she's worked with or offend Mm -hmm. everybody uh, she's worked with. Again, I always, you know, wonder, you know, are people piling on? Is this justified? And then something else comes out, some text messages, some emails. Uh, and so, Mariah, can you kind of catch me up on the latest?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad you're talking about, you know, because this is something, this is a point the mayor brings up quite a bit, that she gets unfair criticism because she's a Black woman and Black women are subject to harsher criticism, mm-hmm. as, as we know, um, in our society in many, many facets. And so yep. she does bring this up, that she doesn't think she's covered the same way that Emanuel or Daily was covered. And that's, you know, an argument that you could debate looking at old coverage. I think both of them got harsh, harsh coverage as well. But the latest is this is this wild story that came out from the Tribune today um, that that it's it's about it's based on a lawsuit that a city, a former attorney for the Park District filed against the mayor, um, saying that she made some some kind of uh, inflammatory remarks, obscene remarks in a meeting um, over these Columbus statues. We've all been covering the removal of Columbus statues in the city. The city, the park district was trying to broker a deal with an Italian American group um, who was also suing the city for over the removal of statues. They wanted to broker a deal with this park district attorney where they could could use a Columbus statue in a parade and display it um, at the end of the parade Uh, you know, before its permanent removal from the city. This park district attorney, uh, you know, with his team apparently brokered that deal. The mayor was not happy Mm -hmm. about it, according to the lawsuit. And in the lawsuit, the lawsuit alleges that, you know, they had this very contentious meeting where the mayor said some, (laughs) some allegedly crazy stuff about the size of her dick and the other size yeah. of the, you know, just some. I, I mean, I could I could read you the direct quote if that makes it easier. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, feel free. You, you you made you made some kind of secret agreement with with Italians. You're out there stroking your dick over the Columbus statue. I'm trying to keep Chicago police officers from being shot, and you're trying to get them shot. My dick is bigger than yours and the Italians. I have the biggest dick in Chicago. <laughs> what? So I don't know if I've ever said that word as many times in in a row. That's on a the podcast that's the new Chicago
2: all. tourism slogan. My dick is Oh my big.
1: god. <laughs> bigger it's so hers. it's all over Twitter. I saw this one this one person being like, oops, I slipped and my display name changed and the display name is <laughs> biggest dick in Chicago.
0: <laughs> uh, and and again, to be fair to the mayor, mayor's in history, you know have said this behind closed doors, you know oh. male, male politicians are saying this shit all the fucking oh. time Rahm Emanuel
1: had a potty mouth come for on, sure. we yeah, we, yeah.
0: we know people was out here using this language and also it, this
1: is alleged Like this is right. a and lawsuit this is alleged. This is alleged this is a this is a lawsuit that alleges a meeting that happened and the mayor made these comments according to this person who has filed the lawsuit. So this is I can is, see Lightfoot you
0: know, coming out and being like, "Yeah, I said it." I know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, said, said it. And yeah, what? Yeah, no.
1: Lightfoot is unapologetic about, you know, she will say, "I don't I don't make deals with people. I exchange harsh words when I need to get things done for the city, and that's a point of pride for her." I don't know that she would wear this. These comments as yeah. a badge of honor. This- but she is not; she's not shy to say that she is, you know, a hard talker and she is a hard ass, and and that's like that's what that's what she says she needs to be in order to like curb some of this corrupt. Speaking of corruption in Chicago, you know, she's like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't allow that.
0: The the number of emails, the number of text messages, the 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 narrative that people are building as we go into this re-election season is that. Uh, the current mayor is hard to work with. Uh, it pushes people away. Uh, people are constantly focused on the number of people who step down in her administration. Maybe that's because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Maybe it's because working yeah. relations. Again, a lot of this is alleged, but, you know, th- there seems to be at least this this pattern that's sustaining. And and I always want to push back as much as possible to say yes black women across our city across our society are unfairly criticized that every single turn that these type of statements do get brushed off and have gotten brushed off um from men in politics for generations um but, but we can't ignore though this seemingly building uh reputation that people of all fronts again Jeanette Taylor had to step mm-hmm. up to the mayor at one point and say, "You're not going to talk to me like a child." Uh, and, and so, black women are also criticizing uh, the mayor as well. Folks like Bella baz writers over at the Tribe, and so you know the, the 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 critiques are coming from from all angles. Yeah, you know, the one thing
2: I would I would push back on is that that as she says, she's being treated unfairly. I thought that Mayor Emanuel got a lot of flack for the way he communicated. And, and and it could be, you know, again, we're talking about Twitter making jokes about, you know, the size of Chicago's dick right now. That's that's usually what's going to happen when you use that kind of language. But, you know, Mayor Emanuel and there was a very public where he had a closed door session with then, uh, you know, uh, CTU president Karen Lewis and uh, F-bombs were thrown and that got into the press. And it was a lot of editorial that was spilled ink that was spilled saying This is not the becoming of the way that the mayor should act. So, I mean, there is precedent of of the way things have been said, closed door, getting out and having the public kind of critically react to it. So I I, I know I knew I know that, that there is some I think there is some truth in the way that we cover Lori Lightfoot, especially being an outsider who's trying to shake up what's happening in, in city council. But when you get to the point when you're talking this way, that can't that can't be good. It wasn't good for Rahm Emanuel and it's not good for Lori Lightfoot. So I don't think it's a good story for her. And I think she needs to own it if it happened. If it's if it's alleged, if it's if it's a lawsuit, it's absolutely ridiculous if she didn't say it and they They're saying she said it. Then there's a we have a bigger issue in society. (laughs) I think you know. Yeah. Very specific, but yeah, I I just I I what I think is learning more than anything, maybe is that Mayor Lightfoot does not want to communicate via email or text or anything in which the newspapers <laughs> and the others can get a hold of it.
0: Didn't she go off on somebody and was like, they could, they could forward that. Like, don't, yeah. don't be sending me emails. Well, you like, know, in uh, D.C.,
2: it was really interesting. In D.C., Axios D.C. did a big story that broke, that went national, or uh-huh. know, was about how the mayor in D.C. was using WhatsApp to avoid mm. being FOIA. And that's the kind of stuff that I think was going to happen here is you're going to start seeing uh, people find different communication ways in public office so that the press can't get at their communications. And that's the exact
0: opposite of transparency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pulled that American gangster like, never over the phone. Never <laughs> yeah, over the exactly. phone. Yeah. You need to talk to me, you talk to him, and he talked to me. Yeah, it's t- called t- t- Madigan, Jacoby. Yeah,
1: no. Take those yeah, glasses I mean-
2: off. <laughs> Madigan didn't have a cell phone for a long time. Ed Burke didn't have a cell right. phone. You, you, they, they were already ahead of the game in terms of that.
0: Across our city, dominant stories like that uh, tend to crop up uh, every single week. But in that, some stories sort of get lost at the wayside, you know, don't get as much light, and so we want to make sure that we we paying attention to those those underhyped stories as well. Mariah, I'm gonna stay with you. What was the underhype story this week that you want to draw more attention to?
1: Well, I think uh, one is is by you know the stellar intrepid Kelly Bauer over at Block Club Chicago. She came out with yet another story of um a potentially corrupt COVID-19 testing site. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just like hammering into this <laughs> like into this like mini beat that she has created uh, based on her stellar reporting. There's a COVID-19 testing company that's under investigation. Um they're in Norwood Park and also a lab, a lab elite. In, Yeah, Labelite. Uh also a lab in Iowa um for, you know, potentially not reporting thousands of test results um, to the to the government, even despite getting $77 million. So these are stories. This is a good example where it's like after a while, you kind of maybe as a reader tune out because you're just like, oh, yeah, another. Cru-. But it's like it's important to pay attention to these stories because they're getting federal tax money. And like, thank God for Kelly, who I'm sure is going to continue to follow what what are the accountability measures for these labs. But. Just a, just a Bauer appreciation moment. And then she also, of course, as she does, spoke to like customers of that lab. And I think it came out yesterday, like what, you know, eight hours before the Madigan and indictments. And so it maybe got swept under the rug, at least on my radar. But that's that's one that I would highlight. Yeah.
0: Justin, you've been seeing Kelly Bauer just hit him. I know. Out the park. She's one great. After one, after one. Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a testament to Block Club too. I mean mm-hmm. Block Club's done tremendous work, and that story is a story that you know it, it started when when it was such a necessary it was a need for Chicago. We needed to go get COVID tests. We wanted to figure out how this was all going to play out. Mm-hmm. People were going to the weirdest storefronts and <laughs> empty lots where they used to sell Christmas trees to get yeah. uh, COVID tests. And everyone was just assuming it was on the up and up. And so to have someone like Kelly and other journalists in town kind of looking at that and, and making sure these people aren't just money grabbing, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I, this, is the, this is a crazy week, man. Like yeah. I, I gotta say, like, you know, you cover this stuff every week. Mariah, you're on the beat, you know the drill. There's some weeks you're like, Okay, I guess I'll do another story on redistricting, you know. That's <laughs> that's not what this week is. I mean, not. I was just I was just in my head, I was looking at this. I'm like, Well, I just had to search because I'm like, this happened this week as well. So I, the, I mean, it was probably the end of last week, but the Illinois Supreme Court said they're not going to pick up J.B. Pritzker's mask mandate in schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's yeah. sort of the start of the week. Then you had on, the, on Monday was the day that they they stopped indoor mask mandates. Remember mm-hmm. that? That feels like three months ago. <laughs> that was Monday.
1: <laughs> yes. I was going to mention this story as well because now it seems Chicago Public Schools is going to drop their then mask that, that's that, yep. that to
2: me is the idea of this push to, to end masks mandates in schools and to go optional. I understand that you're following the metrics. And, and there are some cases where I think that's smart. But when you look at the vaccination rates of Chicago public schools, and I don't think this story is told enough, they're terrible. You're going to have mm. your selective enrollment schools and you're going to have your sort of affluent north side neighborhood schools that are going to mm. be at 80 percent, 85, 90 percent. But when you start looking at schools in the south and west side of Chicago, there are some schools where it's like one, like 10 percent. Yeah. 15, 20%. So you're like, if you're talking about at a district wide, you know, let's just have an overreaching, let's just say there's, it's mask optional and you're, and, and you're putting unvaccinated kids together in groups of 30, 40, whatever it might be at the classroom. I, I, I don't understand how that, jives with what, what we've been talking about with with safety and precautions and mitigation and COVID and all that kind of stuff. And that's, uh, and that's a real issue in Chicago. And it's, it's, I think it's an issue in other big cities as well. But it's, it's an issue that I, I think the union's been trying to push. And I understand that, you know, that gets caught up in politics. But I think if people in Chicago understood that and and saw those stats, they would go, oh, mm-hmm. that's why we need a mask mandate in schools. and mm-hmm. And right now it's just getting caught up in the wash of sort of like COVID's over. It's over. Good. Mm-hmm. Woo. Nancy Pelosi's not wearing a mask at the State of the Union. Woo. You know, I'm, and, I'm looking
0: and, at y'all's CPS list, the most recent update, and the number of schools that are sitting in the 30, 20%, 10%. It goes yeah. down to like 8 6 five. Some schools were down in like the 5% right? range. Like to, to take a sort of district wide policy um, at this. I mean, I've been talking with people, like you said, throughout the weekend, asking how do people feel about, you know, on an individual level, the mask mandate coming out? And, you know, are you going to go to the U- United Center where they say you don't have to wear the mask? Or how do you feel about the grocery store and public transit? You still got to wear it, but but are people doing it? But when we start talking about like school districts, particularly CPS, and just like lumping that in with the big push to go maskless, yeah, it feels very irresponsible. And what happens if we if we have a
2: surge? Is there the political will of a governor Pritzker? Is there a political will of CPS to turn it back on? And when you turn it back mm-hmm. on, right now, n- none of the courts, uh, whether it's you, you're talking the appellate or the Illinois Supreme Court, have have even ruled on this because they just kind of want to stay away from it. But you're going to see lawsuits, and injunctions, and everything. Every if the governor tries to do anything to try and, you know, uh, put mitigations back in place if if COVID surges, and that's that's a concern for me.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've been on this, what feels like a, like a, what's that ride at the carnival where the mug just kind of like shifts back and forth? <laughs> the pirate it doesn't ship? Even feel, yeah, it doesn't it's even feel ship, like a yeah. roller coaster. It feels like the pirate ship. So under <laughs> yeah. hype stories, again, we these things definitely, you know, uh, are stories we want to draw more attention to. Man, th- damn, it's a lot of stories that happened this week.
2: Here, let me tell you another one. Dr. Ezeke steps down. Probably the no, most I notorious know, Illinois weird. public yeah. health director in history. Arnie yeah. Duncan says he's not running for mayor, which is huge, oh, God, right? <laughs> Baseball's not happening. That's a huge Baseball's story. he will come from White happen. Sox. You know, like, I mean, there's a ton of stories. And the State of the Union was this week. I mean, this uh, is a, it's, it's stick, out of control
0: how much there's going
1: yeah.
0: on. Oh, man, all of that. We didn't even have to talk about
2: the Bulls getting blown out a couple times. That's all right. It's middle of February, right? Or March. Right. Get blown all out right. now.
0: Well, we got to lead the people. Man, that was a hell of a rundown. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, that was, was, Justin, I'm impressed.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot. It really is. We've covered 45 stories on the show this week. Uh, (laughs) All of them as pressing as possible. Uh, We got to lead the people with some good news going into the weekend. Some some good news to take them into their first uh, Masters weekend in a while. Uh, Justin, I'm going to start with you. What's some good news for the people?
2: You know, I I go back to the Bulls as kind of like even though they lost this week, I'm seeing the new Zach Levine Mountain Dew commercials in heavy rotation. Uh, you know, <laughs> like at the same, you know, you, you're probably one of the top five spokespersons in in basketball right now. Zach mm-hmm. Levine, they're, they're really pushing that Mountain Dew. DeMar DeRozan getting all that love at the All-Star break. I, I mean, yep. there's, there's something special about the Chicago Bulls being relevant in March uh you know for as a long time bulls fan you know it's been it's been a long time and uh, i at last week i think it was last week we did something at the axio chicago where it's been 11 years uh that went through the getty images that we used for our our newsletter and it show, it was a game that lebron james and derrick rose at the united center and in, in 2011 it was the one of those games where rose won uh, but it was like when we just, you know, all the celebrities or Connie West was there, like it was just like a huge deal to see the heat and LeBron James versus Derrick Rose and the Bulls and to have the Bulls relevant again, that we might coming up here in March have, you know, ABC seven Sunday afternoon games with the Bulls is tremendous. It's the only thing that gives me joy beyond it's my cat's <laughs> birthday.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, we, we've given the Bulls a lot of love on the show. It is great to see, and especially amidst so much injury, for us to just be still in that uh, top three spot over the last few weeks battling with, with Lonzo and Alex Caruso and, and so many other people down. Um, I'm really excited to see what playoff time looks like for the Bulls. I think with the with the right push, the right energy, the right belief, they may be able to surprise some people in the playoffs. I'm not going to put my money down on, on any particular uh, seeding or finish, but, but but I got my hopes up. Mariah, you gonna try and catch a game before the season is over?
1: You know, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I will. I have not been watching the NBA this season. I do like basketball a lot, but and I like played basketball growing up. But it's always fun to just sit back, have a beer, watch, watch the, mm-hmm. watch the halftime show. But um, yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see.
0: For sure. What's your joy this week? You want to share with the people? Yo, some good news. Some good.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think I'm just gonna be basic and say it's gonna be like 66 degrees on Saturday. Pump that
0: shit up. Yeah, about and then
1: freaking 60 again on Sunday. I'm worried. So you can have. I know. I was like, this is gonna be this is gonna be bad news for Justin.
2: <laughs> you know that that tornado's coming through on Monday, man. I'm just telling
0: you. Mariah, you got anything planned for the 60 degrees?
1: Uh, you know, I'm gonna do like a long walk with my dog. Probably like, through, you know, I really want to walk downtown. I live in Ukrainian Village, and I love like a good city hike to the lake. Um, you know, bring some water for her, and just like a backpack, get some snacks on the way, beer on the way back. Um, so probably just get get to the lake.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you stay over in Ukrainian Village, man. We started our week over there, and you know, I'm I imagine the energy has been picked up all week.
1: Oh, yeah. Flags, flags everywhere. Um, you know, there's banners. There's a massive banner uh, right around the corner from my house at a Ukrainian church that says, please cover the sky over Ukraine, which really mm-hmm. hit me the other day. And it has like a bunch of hands, like cut out hands of kids at the church. And that one's rough. But yeah, a lot of lot of pride, lot of solidarity in the neighborhood right now.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Um- my some good news this week one of them i shared yesterday a shout out to the chicago reader in their best of 21 uh best of 2021 list yes. uh and city cash chicago Woo. being named the best podcast in the city oh. you're here congrats it, it really really means a lot to us um i, I said it yesterday we're, we're very grateful to people who voted to people who listen but also i want to shout out people like y'all all the people who've come on shared their stories shared their uh their reporting with us It's really been a hell of a year, 240 episodes, uh, in just the last 12 months has been, it's been pretty damn crazy, uh but it wouldn't be possible if folks like y'all didn't come on and share with us Uh, and then also if you're looking for something to do this weekend uh, at the United Center the Culture Tour you got New Edition uh, you got Jodeci uh, you got Uncle Charlie out there Uh, so enjoy yourself this weekend be safe be kind to one another uh, out here in the streets of Chicago Uh, Mariah Justin uh, thank y'all for joining me I hope y'all have a great rest of y'all day and a wonderful weekend you too too, thank you before I let you go I'm not the only person on the CityCast Chicago team who wanted to say thank you for y'all voting us the best podcast in Chicago as part of the Chicago Readers annual best of list lead producer Carrie Shepard
1: thanks Chicago
0: producer Simone Alisea
1: thanks so much for voting and for listening
0: newsletter writer Sydney Madden who has given us the best newsletter across Chicago in my opinion every single day
1: thanks CityCast listeners
0: and roving producer joining us from Denver Lizzie Goldsmith
1: Thanks, Chicago.
0: I speak for the rest of the team, the other producers, the folks at headquarters, when I say thank y'all for making City Cash Chicago a part of your daily routine. Thank you for letting my voice come into your life, even for just 15 minutes every now and then. Uh, I really can't tell you how much it means to me. We're about two weeks away from our first year anniversary. If you want to see the podcast grow as much as we do, feel free to share with your friends, your family, your neighbors, the people on the bus, uh, the people in your book club and your alumni network, whoever you want to fall in love with Chicago the way you are right now. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. Congrats, man.
2: Congrats. Well-deserved honor. Congrats. And uh, happy birthday, Chicago. Come on, there's so
0: much going on. 185. (laughs) Ain't that the the case? (laughs) Justin is on it. Honestly, now I'm going to just steal that and I'm going to put it at the top as if I always knew it. It'll just be in the billboard. It's (laughs) Down City Cash Chicago. Happy birthday, Chicago. And I'll just pretend like this never happened.